Blog Talk Radio. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Burn, remix, up, oh, gonna make you move. Ripping microphones is a habit, I got the fetish. Cooling in the crib with the brutes. It does run the fucking lounge. Giving you something that you can bounce to. Surround sound, tailor made the plan. LOR2 work. LORD with militia. Coming to get you a vivid 3D picture. DEV, Mr. Tan. Had my girl the mic, Miss Toy ripped the chip. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we had to interrupt Rob there. That was our producer, mutual friend, Rob, and I just wanted to welcome everybody officially to this July 17th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Hyundai. Given all of the international awards it's received, perhaps winning is everything for the 2015 Hyundai Sonata. For more information, check out Hyundai.com, OneDrive, and you'll get it with the 2015 Sonata from Hyundai, the official automotive sponsor of the NFL. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts listening in the chat room and around the world, downloading on their devices and what have you later on. We appreciate it. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is, of course, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Tonight, we're going to talk about whether you should be buying Justin Forsett at his current ADP, whether the Cowboys pass catchers will be busier this year, and we'll be joined by last year's sixth place overall main event finisher, Alan Patitanian, who will talk about the Tampa running game and how he achieved so much excess last year. Dave, perhaps I'm burying the lead. We have pros versus Joes starting Sunday. Oh, God, really? Sunday night, 7 o'clock, Monday night, excuse me, Sunday night, 8 o'clock, Monday night, 9 o'clock, Tuesday night, 10 o'clock. All times Eastern. All times Eastern. And all to- shows fun. I'm going to have to figure this out. It's going to be great. I, I don't think Why I are you not excited for it? I don't think I can make it. The industry pros and the in, in the FFPC Joes battling it out. We got a, we got a lot of great storylines coming up on, on uh, Sunday's show. So I'll, I'll kind of just – everybody listen to that show. Lines. There's right. a lot of good stuff. The defending champ is in that draft. All right. He's talking a lot of trash on Twitter. Okay. Tim McCulloch, rotoexperts.com. Getting a little interested. Yeah, it's going to be – uh, very, very fun, and that is coming up Sunday night. I want to give it a shout-out to – go ahead. Tim, one tight end McCullough. One tight end McCullough. And, you know, it was uh, you know I'm going to bring this up on the show on Sunday. I was talking to my dad about this tonight, trying to explain to him what happened, how he drafted one tight end in a DE format mm-hmm. and uh, won the whole thing. Um, Gates was suspended uh, this year for PEDs. I wonder if his performance last year was exactly on the up and up. Yeah, we, we won't we know. We should strip McCullough of the title as well. well. We could do that. Shout out to the chat room right now. Uh, feel free to post any questions you have in there. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Eric Balkman. Dave's on Twitter at David Gerzak. The show's on Twitter at HSFF Hour. We're on Facebook as well. Facebook.
But we're going to talk about Arian Foster here. Obviously, if people cannot hear us uh, in the chat, definitely let us know. I don't know what the issue is right now, why we can't hear the – because the, the sound effects are playing for you. We can obviously hear each other in the mics. I don't know why we can't uh, hear anything. So it looks like it's, it's, it's good now. We can skip over all the bear baiting we said at the top of the show and just go right to Arian Foster, Dave. Story, yeah, the last two minutes were crap anyway. They weren't crap. We were reminding people of a lot of good stuff that's going on with the FFPC. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. Main event deadline, July 20th. And if you didn't catch our Twitter handle, who cares? That's the show in a nutshell. Here you go. There you go. Arian Foster, are you taking him in the late first? Uh, probably not the late first. No. Are, are you okay? Would you so you would not, by that rationale, you would not take him in the early second then, right? If you had like a 10, 11, 12 pick? Probably not. What is it just the age? Uh, that that scares you because I'm on board with Foster at, at either of those spots. If I have a late first round pick, you know I I don't really like him quite that high. I mean, um, I, I think you have a problem with the offense. I don't, I, their offensive line is decent, but their whole offense I, I don't think they're going to score enough touchdowns. He is old and he's getting run down, so I'm, I'm just uh, he's kind of on my list now. But like, kind of like S. Jackson and you know and Frank Gore. Um, I didn't take him last year. I had taken him a couple of years before that and. This year, it's tough. You know, like those older guys, I just, there's something about them. I just don't want to take them. Couldn't you, everything you just said there is all valid, but couldn't you say the exact same thing last year? Or couldn't you have said all of those things last yeah, year I as well? So. But you just think like well, this. Honestly, I didn't draft Foster in a lot of leagues last year. Right. So, and I did say that. And I mean, so. But he had a good season. He did have a good season. That's a, you know, it doesn't, again, I'm playing the percentages. It doesn't mean you're always going to be right. It's just like when guys get old, running backs get old, they are naturally getting their performance does decrease mm -hmm. statistically it has and there's a better chance for injury so i am fine possibly missing on a great season out of a player like that that said arian foster was also a third round pick last year right late third mid third and now he's going to the late first it's like why am i why do i want to pay full price for arian foster now would you rather have matt forte um is he going right in that same spot right around there yeah maybe a couple of picks higher uh i don't really know that i'd rather have him i mean not really. Would you rather have DeMarco Murray? He's also going right around there. Yeah, I'd rather have Murray. Okay. And he's much younger. Uh, you know, he had the huge workload last year. Sounds to me gonna, if – They're going to run a lot more plays. I like their offense better. Right. It sounds to me if you have that late first, early second pick, you're probably going receiver there then. I mean, it's, I guess it's just all who, who's there. But. Well, I mean, it's Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what the issue is with the uh, with the rich sound tonight, so we are going to old school this, and uh, we're going to go on the phone tonight. So Dave and I are live once again. We're talking about Arian Foster, but we can move on past that. Dave does not like him in the late first, early second. I'm on board with that pick. Uh, let's talk Jimmy Graham. Uh, he's going in the mid-second of FFPC drafts right now. Seahawks insider Greg Bell says that Graham is going to be a big part of the te uh, team's red zone offense. Uh, he scored 35 touchdowns over the last three seasons. 28 of those 35 touchdowns have come within the red zone. Now, Graham, we, we were initially a little concerned when, when he got traded to Seattle uh, about Seattle being a ball control run offense uh, with Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch doing the heavy lifting. But now uh, it seems that there's been a little bit of a bounce back in Graham's uh, ADP moving up in FFPC drafts to the mid-second, sometimes the early second. Uh, what do you think, Dave, uh, about Graham? I mean, should he be? Is that the area that you think he should be going? I'm I'm fine with taking him 
even in the late first, because I do think while touchdowns are a little bit unpredictable, I think that he's going to have a bunch of them this year. Yeah, I do think Graham will be the big focal point of the offense. Um, he's the person I would consider taking in that area, absolutely. Gronk going in the first round, Graham going in the second. A little bit of a drop-off. We'll have to see what happens with Travis Kelsey. He's been going usually in the third or fourth, and then after that, hey, take your pick. Uh, Greg Olson seems to be the tight end number four du jour, uh, but it's been varying uh, in the Football Guys Players Championship drafts that, uh, that I've done so far. So Graham solidly in the second round for both Dave and I. Keenan Allen has been overlooked in the red zone. Uh, last year. This is according to Marcus Grant from NFL.com. He had 19 red zone targets in 2013, only 12 last year. He also only caught 18 passes that went at least 10 yards through the air. He had 29 of those uh, in the year before. Now, he was injured quite a bit in 2014, uh, and Allen was going in the third round of a lot of FFPC drafts last year. Now, he he can be had at the end of the fourth, um, pretty much early in the fifth and, and middle of the fifth, I would say in about half of the drafts. So Keenan Allen, Dave, I, with Antonio Gates suspended for the first four weeks of the season, uh, Keenan Allen really has a, a chance to get off to a hot start. And people playing in the main event, people playing in the FPC, they always like players getting off to early starts. What do you think about Keenan Allen uh, this year? I like Keenan Allen. I think he he's a good he's good and due for a bounce back. He showed his talent as a rookie. Maybe he just didn't take his uh, career very seriously heading into his second season. Like you said, he had some injury issues. And the Antonio Gates thing is a, is a bonus. I mean, when Gates comes back after the, the four-week suspension, you never know. Maybe he maybe he didn't stay in good shape. Maybe he loses a little bit. Maybe Gates' fantastic season last year was kind of an aberration, and he really is on the downslope of his career. So I like Keenan Allen in that spot. And here's a player that, unlike uh, unlike other players, you're actually getting a good value on him, I think. Yeah, the other thing, too, with, and, and uh, Sports Betting Man uh, just brought this up in the chat, Stevie Johnson. He says, Stevie Johnson has more talent than Allen, and they're both on the same team this year. I think that Johnson and Allen, to me, I'd be more excited about those guys getting extra targets than I am about, you know, w- waiting to see if Ladarius Green finally breaks out. I think that, that uh, Green might be a little bit overdrafted, and Allen and Stevie Johnson maybe being a little bit underdrafted right now. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, is Stevie Johnson, they've determined for sure that he's starting, or he's he's playing the slot, isn't he? He's going to play the slot, yes. Uh, I know these guys in the chat like him. I'm not really all that into Steve Johnson. I mean, to me, it's like he's kind of past his prime. That's why, I mean, when a, when a player is moving around from team to team and he's entering his late 20s, early 30s, um, it's not a good sign. Alan Patatanian, just on the other side here, we're going to bring him on in one minute. The last thing I want to bring up before we move on to Alan, Justin Forsett last year had a great season according to, well, according to anyone, but Jameson Hensley's report on ESPN.com detailed Forsett's 5.4 yards per carry last season. He had 17 rushes of more than 20 yards. That was most among any running back in the NFL he ranked second behind DeMarco Murray in rushing yards before contact with 901. And his average of 3.83 yards before contact per rush led all running backs in the NFL. Dave, not a whole lot has changed in that Baltimore offense uh, from 2014 to 2015. Torrey Smith is gone, but Brashard Perriman uh, has replaced him. I don't think that there's much to dislike about Justin Forsett going in the middle of the third round, which is where he is going right now. He seems like he's been moving up, and uh, you know everyone knows about him. So it's, you're gonna have to pay up for him. But he could return first round running back value in the third round. I love him. Would you? 
would you be comfortable taking him in the mid third if you if you go with uh, receivers in your first couple rounds? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've already yeah I've already said I like Forsett. I thought we were, he was like more of a fourth rounder later, but he's even moving up. Is that the word? He's crawling up, baby. Bird is the word as well as Forsett crawling up. That is also the word right now. So yeah, Justin, and we'll have to see how far he crawls up. But I can't believe a guy um, you know that's in his thirties that really finally had a breakout season last year. I can't believe that he's going to be climbing much higher than that. But I've underestimated the FFPC drafters before. Uh, let them do it to me again. And He could very well be the uh, ascendant, Balky. Well, I was going to bring that up, but I didn't think you would agree to it because he is um, you know, already going in the mid-third, and he's such an older guy. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah, it, that's true. But, I mean, with that offense, I mean, if he, if we see, think he's going to be moving up in these drafts into the second round, it's definitely possible. And that, that, that is a possibility where people are going to stretch for him. Yeah, I mean, it's yes, that is correct. Well, okay, I'll, how, how about this? We already have four people on the semifinalist list for the Ascendant. Should we add Justin Forsett to that list? Oh, sure. Why not? All right. Forsett, <laughs> with a ringing endorsement from Dave, gets to be the <laughs> fifth player on the semifinalist list. So the first player on our guest list tonight, the only player on our guest list tonight, I'm going to bring him on right now. He finished in sixth place in last year's main event in the uh, FFPC. also won a Football Guys Players Championship beat last year despite his limited entries. Tonight he makes his debut on our podcast. Please welcome to the show, Alan Patatanian. Alan, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much. We're very lucky to uh, to have you uh, tonight. Uh, you know, most of the time we get uh, a top 10 player in the FFPC main event, and then they dog us because they're already a, uh, a high-stakes fantasy football celebrity. You being very gracious with your time tonight on Friday, we certainly appreciate it. Can you tell us uh, when you're not uh, crushing it in fantasy football, what you're doing for a living? I'm an attorney. Uh, I practice uh, personal injury law out of L.A. Personal injury lawyer in L.A. I like it. Yes. And it's, uh, we, you know, we have a, a long and storied history of a lot of successful lawyers uh, on this show, and, and uh, we, we welcome another one to the circle. That tells you how much I'm, work we do, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Hey, Alan, you uh, you actually um, cashed more than ten thousand dollars in your yeah. uh, only main event league last year. You finished in sixth place overall. From what you remember of that team, I, I know it was probably a whirlwind. It seems like a lifetime ago as you've been uh, prepping uh, for twenty fifteen. Tell us uh, tell us how that team placed so high on the leaderboard last year in the championship round. I think uh, I remember succinctly that uh, what really put me over the top of a lot of teams was. I had a Tony romo des Bryant combination going for me. I also had um, Gronk, who I had third round, I believe, because I, if you remember, he had, he had injury. He was coming back from an injury, and he didn't play for the first six weeks, or four to six weeks, I think. And also I had Le'Veon Bell, which, again, I, I think I drafted him in the second round because he felt there because of concerns about him getting possibly suspended because of the... I think it was a marijuana arrest that he had with um, with another player. So those four players when, carried me throughout the season and into the deep into the playoffs and into the championship round. Uh, and I, I think I was first or second going into the last week. And uh, an average game by Gronk and by by Olivier Bell kind of 
made me drop from first second position to sixth. So unfortunate. You didn't you didn't have Odell Beckham on that team, did you? No, I did not. I, actually, I was looking into the top ten going into the last week, and everyone except me hit Odell Beckham. So uh, I was rooting against him that week, and he he, he just blew up. He had a huge week Let's that the- week. Let's talk uh, a philosophical question, uh, Alan, with uh, you getting Romo and Dez on this team. Are you, when you draft a high-stakes team, are you looking uh, to, to pick up a quarterback-wide receiver combo uh, to, you know, to, to sort of when, when one of them has a big game, you're hoping the other one does too? Was that part of your strategy, or did it just end up being that, you know what, Romo's the best quarterback here, I'm going to nap I think I think the way I drafted was Romo was the best quarterback, but I had an eye on him because I already had drafted Dez. I don't think you can go into a draft saying I want this particular combination, but once you draft a particular receiver and then you later you're choosing between two two different quarterbacks that are similarly situated, I think I would give a nod to the quarterback that is throwing to your own receiver because if your receiver is having a great week it means your quarterback is having a great week. So why not just go with both of them? You know, if your receiving is not having a good week, you don't have chance in the championship round because almost all your players have to have outstanding weeks for you to have a chance to stay there for three weeks in a row. So it's not the time to play safe when you're in the playoffs. You definitely want to take chances uh, in order to get that six-figure payday. I hear you there and totally agree. Talking about the tight end premium format of the FFPC, Alan, what, what's your strategy uh, in handling that? Because the tight ends get pushed up in the Football Guys Players Championship. They get yes. pushed up in the main event. What, what's your strategy in handling tight ends? Do you, do you like uh, – I know you had Gronk in your main event team. Are you trying to target one of the studs early? Or do you I like try waiting to on target, one yeah. now and then? I try to target one early, middle, late. Whenever you can get a, your hand on a tight end, you do it in this, you know, in this format. Uh, it's a huge advantage. Plus, and and also, you, you know, you don't have, you can't forget that you can start more than one tight end in this league because you have flex position. So, uh, I always have the tight end issue at the forefront when I'm drafting. And uh, if I have, if, depending on the, my first round pick, if I'm picking anywhere between fourth to, let's say, seventh. Uh, I'll take the first tight end that is available if, it's, if, if, it, if it has not been drafted yet. So, for example, this year, depending upon who you go with, if you, you know, the Jimmy Graham or Gronk, I think if you're drafting between fourth and eighth, you got to seriously consider drafting one of them. Talking with the uh, – tapping into the great fantasy mind of Alan Patatamian tonight. Al- Alan, th- this is uh, something that's come up in uh, in high-stakes circles, I would say probably within the last three to four years, well, three or four years ago is sort of when I heard about the zero running back theorem uh, first. For those not familiar, it's essentially not drafting a running back uh, until or waiting on running back until the sixth round or later. Um, so many players, I would say last year I saw it happen more so than I ever have seen it before uh, in drafts this year. I'm seeing it more already than I did last year. So it seems to be uh, something that players are definitely trying to take advantage of as much as they can, but it's causing running backs to fall into drafts. Uh, are you one to scoop up those uh, those running backs, or are you still, when people other people are pounding the pass catchers, are you scooping up wide receivers and tight ends earlier because they're actually a little bit more valuable in today's NFL? Well, 
I understand that the wide receivers are more valuable, but I think if you're drafting in your particular league, everyone is going a certain position. That means that if you go to that direction, you give them an advantage of coming back and drafting a better running back than they would have if you picked up those running backs that, that they should draft. So I, I, you got to recognize the way the draft is going and what people are doing, but also you cannot pass up on a running back that you feel like it's going to be a top 10 running back because, uh, I mean, I know that the league is going towards more passing and for running backs, the ability to score touchdowns, the amount of touches they get in an offense, uh, you can't ignore that. Definitely not. And what I'm hearing from you, Alan, is regardless of position, running back, receiver, tight end, if there's a stud out there, uh, kind of you, you have to kind of throw team construction to the side a little bit and make sure you're getting that value on your roster and figuring out how you're going to fit them into your lineup later, correct? Absolutely. It's always a good idea to go into a draft with a strategy that I'm going to go – always going to think, okay, I'm going to go receiver, receiver, running back, running back. But you have you have to be able to be flexible depending on how others are drafting in your league. If there are living players out there that shouldn't be at that round, you better change your change your strategy and pick up that player and then maneuver later in in later rounds to pick up more value at the position that you were originally being drafted. You weighed in on quarterback in your main event last year in snaring Tony Romo, and that really paid off because he was one of the main four cogs that really helped you get that sixth-place overall finish. If someone told you that they wanted to wait on drafting a quarterback this year, but they really wanted to wait to the point where there's 10, maybe a dozen, or even 15 of them off the board, are there any sleeper quarterbacks that you would recommend if somebody wanted to wait uh, on drafting one, uh, maybe you could recommend one or two that would be a good pairing uh, for 2015. I, I don't know if you can call um, them slippers, uh, but uh, if, for example, if Eli Manning falls, he doesn't get picked up uh, the first 10 quarterbacks, I would definitely snap it because uh, I feel like Eli Manning is poised to have a really good season this year with uh, emergence of ODB for the full season, Victor Cruz coming back. Um, if 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 he's there after ten quarterbacks, he'll be my guy. Uh, another guy that I will kind of I will really consider is is I know it's a rookie and usually people are afraid of drafting rookies, but I really like Jameis Winston this year. If if you can, in, if you probably can get him uh, even at the fifteenth or sixteen after fifteen quarterbacks have been taken. Yeah, I've been talking about Jameis Winston uh, on this show too. And, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan, uh, Alan. So uh, you know. I, I'm, I've watched a lot of Jameis Winston and um, some of the other Florida State players that, that have been drafted. Devontae Freeman, in particular, listeners to this show know, like I never really sang his praises all that much. I, I didn't think he was that special of a running back. And I know he's competing for a starting running back job in Atlanta this year, but he's not, to me, a, an elite talent. And I think anybody would say that. But Jameis Winston, to me, I think with those weapons there, he could be an immediate contributor and part of a quarterback by committee for fantasy players right away in year one. I know he's going to throw some interceptions, but he loves to take chances. And those chances with those receivers, it's going to turn into a lot of touchdowns this year too, don't you think? I I absolutely agree. And if you can't pair him up with Evans somehow, you get Evans in like uh, third round, maybe a fourth round even, possibly, who knows? You pair him up with 15 and third round, you can get a probably good, really good selection of those two guys. Let's keep it on the uh, Buccaneers discussion as long as we're talking Winston and Evans. Talk about the running backs on Tampa. Doug Martin, 
Charles Sims. They've been jockeying for position on fantasy draft boards all offseason. It seemed like Sims was sort of the guy from the get-go, and now with the news that we've heard coming out of there, the uh, praise Lovey Smith has shown Doug Martin, uh, the fact that he's slimmed down, looking very good. Now Doug Martin is going ahead of Sims uh, on draft boards right now. Who's the guy to own this year, Alan, between those two, between Martin and Sims? And at what point uh, in the draft would you take the, the, you know, whichever guy is your favorite of the two? I'm a little biased when it comes to this issue because last year in my local league, I drafted Doug Martin, and he left a really bad taste in my mouth. So <laughs> I, I would try it all in, in everything I could do in my power to avoid uh, being faced to make the decision between these two guys. I would just avoid them. I think James Winston is going to be the central focus of that offense. Whatever running they do will be just to keep the defense kind of honest. And I, I, I would go with it. Whichever back is going to be better third down back for Tampa this year. And I think that should be probably Sims. Alan, we uh, we talked a little bit uh, at the top of the show about Keenan Allen uh, with San Diego. Had a down year last year. He was hurt. Red zone targets were down. Uh, long passes or, you know, attempts at long passes. Those targets went down as well. Going in the fourth round, early fourth round of FFPC drafts, sometimes, you know, sneak it up uh, a little bit uh, further than that. But most of the time, early to mid-fourth, he's available. Are you selecting him there if you want a receiver at that spot in the draft? I'm sorry, which round? He's going in the early to mid-fourth round. Which I think that's about right. I think that's about right. I'll, I'll probably like him to go a little bit later in the fifth round, but I, but, but I, but I think he's going he's gonna to improve a lot this year. I think last year he was hurt. Um, and also this year, you know, you have to remember that Antonio Gates is not going to, you know, is not gonna, I think he's out four to six, four or six games, correct? So um, Four games. With that in, four games, yeah. With that in mind, if he gets it going in the first four weeks and builds that uh, relationship with Rivers, I think I think he can do he can be a top ten receiver this year. If you if I was to ask you because Gates is obviously as we alluded to gone for the first four weeks, if I was to ask you who the biggest beneficiary on that San Diego offense is going to be, who is going to get the majority of those Gates targets? Is it Keenan Allen or is it somebody else? I think it's Keenan Allen. Yeah, I you know I I'm I'm trying to think of a. I'm trying to make a good argument for somebody else right now, and I don't think I can. I mean, I think Allen is no. the most – I know that, as Dave said earlier in the, in the chat room, they might uh, disagree, but I think Allen is the most talented uh, pass catcher. Uh, I'd rather have him uh, – if I'm Rivers, I'd be more comfortable throwing to him than Johnson or Green or Malcolm Floyd. I mean, to me, he, he's the guy. So I, and I think I you're agree. right. I think he is going to be – And also, I, I think it's Keenan Allen because uh, he's a wide receiver that I think – what I call him a dual threat. He can he is a both possession receiver, he has those skills, but he also has explosiveness to take it to take a pass and or or, or go for like a double move, like a deep deep pass. So you get both of the world with him when you have Keenan Allen. Uh he he's gonna take some of those possession receiving from you know, they were designed for Antonio Gates, I think. Uh we're talking with uh Alan Patitanian uh, from the sixth-place finisher in uh, sixth-place finishing team in the FFPC main event last year. Let's talk uh, tight ends. Jordan Reed uh, was a darling uh, when he sort of came onto the scene in the early part of the 2013 season, picked up on a lot of waiver wires, really crushed it that season. 
Then he struggled with injuries last year. Niles Paul uh, was really the tight end to own in Washington. Jordan Reed is hurt again as we enter training camp here coming up soon. He's only going in the 11th round of FFPC drafts. Is he a value to you there, or are you still avoiding Reed? I'm still avoiding Reed at that point. Uh, I think he's he's shown that he's a, he's a very high injury risk. And in this league, when you're going tight ends, and even the 10th round, 11 round picks are of are of great value. You can you can you can get a backup running back. Your you can get your second quarterback. You can get a you know whatever you can do to improve your team. And I think. You, those kind of players that are higher risk injuries, they have lost their starting jobs. I think there's someone that I would consider, um, you know, after 13, 14 rounds. Let's uh, let's go to the emails here that I am uh, that I am getting from Bryce uh, for you, Alan. The first email from Rich in East Syracuse, New York not to be confused with West Syracuse, New York. Uh, he writes, with Melvin Gordon not being a pass, a big pass catcher, are you expecting expecting a 2013-type year for Danny Woodhead where he caught 76 balls? I assume he is still the man over Brandon Oliver on third down as long as he's healthy. Would you feel okay with Woodhead as your number three running back this season? That's Rich in East Syracuse, New York. I, I'm just looking at this right now, Alan. Danny Woodhead going in the late 11th round. So, I mean, if, if he's your number three running back here, you better be loaded at receiver and tight end. But what, what do you think about Danny Woodhead catching the passes uh, in the San Diego backfield over Gord in 2015? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I think if you have Danny Woodhead as your third running back, you better have, uh, like, top two or three top ten wide receivers and a really good tight end and, a, you know, and a, you know, quarterback. Uh, I like Lenny Woodhead. I think he's a fighter. I think he had a, unfortunately, he had a big injury, but he's not really injury-prone guy. He just had an unfortunate injury, which happens in football. But depending upon how good Melvin Gordon is, uh, Danny Green had, I mean, Woodhead can, can, can cut into his work on third downs a lot. And he's more reliable. He's a, he's a proven running back, and we still don't know what, what Gordon is going to do. Do you think uh, Danny Woodhead catches more or less than 70 passes this year? I think less. Is it much less, though? I mean, is it about, is it between 60 and 70? Can we expect that, or is that still too unreasonable? I think that it's. I think the fact that it it, it all depends. I think also what happens with the tight end position. Um, if Antonio Gates is not the same player this year, and and Levis Green cannot cannot replace him. Then I think Danny Wooder would benefit from that, and probably can repeat, you know, what he did last year. But uh, if not, then I, I, I don't see him exceeding that number if if Gordon also um, performs well. Plus, you know, we all know that he's a good pass catching running back, so that will cut into Woodhead's production. Yeah, anytime you get a rookie running back, where I mean, well, any rookie really is is sort of a wild card. I mean, if Melvin Gordon gets in the the you know the first two or three games of the season, and Gordon already has you know eight or nine catches, I think that you have to uh, dampen your uh, Woodhead love because he's not going to be catching that many passes if Gordon is catching two or three. Yeah, I mean, what happens? What would happen? Worst case scenario for Woodhead will be Woodhead owners will be if. If, if Gordon takes a screen pass to the house, you know, what do you do then with Woodhead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a great point. Uh, let's move on and talk about, uh, let's see, this email's from Rocky in Clinton, Oklahoma. He writes, hi, Alan. The guys talked about this last week 
And then a Bears beat writer started talking up Jeremy Langford as the Chicago Bears running back of the future. Would he be your handcuff this year if you drafted Forte? And do you believe in handcuffing in main event tournaments at all? Good luck this season. Thanks for the email, Rocky in Clinton, Oklahoma. Let's let's talk about um, uh, because I think that the the Langford thing is a bit of a dynasty, more so dynasty question. But um, what what are your thoughts on handcuffing in the main event? If if you get a running back in the top two rounds, are you trying? Are you making sure that you get his backup at a reasonable price, or are you just going for best player available? I think most of the time I'm going for best player available because the handcuffs are rarely drafted unless they're really highly touted like rookies and they're behind a great, like a, not a great, like a running back. There must be some other upside than just handcuffs because in this league you just, you, you just can't waste a roster spot on a handcuff like that, in my opinion. But, and also because from my experience, not many players draft the handcuffs, so they're still available. Uh, in the free agency, uh, which you can still get uh, if something you know were to happen to your running back, or if your if your initial like late speculative picks don't pan out the first four weeks, then you can drop one of your speculative pick and get to the finish line before even before your running back gets injured. But I wouldn't get him right in the draft in the main draft. I would get him a few weeks into it because sometimes I like to spend my left draft. My my late draft picks on players that can are very speculative, but they have a huge upside and then can pan out. Like the Denver Broncos wide receiver Latimer, you know, he, he we don't right. know what his role is going to be. He could be a great red target guy, give you great production. So I would draft him in like 16, 15, 17 rounds. But then when I, the season starts after two, three weeks, if you don't see that he has a role niche for him in the in like in that team, then you can drop him and pick up your handcuff running back and it's 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 the that philosophy that led you to uh, a dominant team in the main event last year yes. uh, that you did have these players that could help uh help you put up massive points throughout the season and in the championship round as well uh so that yes. that strategy sort of already worked out for you last year yes all i can tell you is this no one has really won the championship by having a handcuff perform the way his original guy performed so if your main guys if you're, if you're number one, number two, number three rounds, if you, get, if you got a running back there and something happens to them, you need to have another plan because your, hand, your handcuff is not going to try to help you to, to get to the finish line that much. No one ever won a main event with a handcuff or because of a handcuff. I love it. That's good stuff. Uh, Alan, we got, uh, I, I want to ask you, first of all, I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on the show tonight. Very, uh, very, very fun interview. Love hearing your opinions and your analysis on, on not only strategy, but players as well. And let's talk about some players here, uh, with this final question, uh, a player that you're going to make sure you have on as many teams as uh, possible this year. And then a OBB. team that, uh, are, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the default answer, I think, isn't it? Uh, that that Beckham, yeah. uh, because he won so many people, it, it so was many ridiculous. titles last year. It was year. just ridiculous. It, it was you either had him or it, you didn't. You know? Would he be? Yeah, if I mean, you're gonna, was surprised that I did as well as I did without having ODB on my team. You know, that tells you how strong of a team I had. You know, but uh, yep, I think uh, ODB cost me. He cost me the championship last year, but uh, I, I mean, I love the guy. The guy is just. Uh, I think I think if if I were drafting today, I would I would I would draft him over over Calvin Johnson. 
Would is he your is he your top receiver this year uh, overall? I, I mean, so. I know you like I, him I better than so. Calvin. I think so. I don't. Th- I don't see anyone outperforming outperforming him this year. Uh, I mean, there are receivers that have really, I mean, you know, similar skills like that. Um, but but the offense uh, that he's in is gonna is gonna be is gonna. He, he's just. I think he's overall. He's a, he's overall number one receiver. In, you know, this year as well. What about? Uh, obviously, we know you like Beckham. What about a player that uh, you want to make sure you don't have on any of your teams this year? A player that maybe a lot of uh, other players are high on, but that you don't want on any of your teams. I don't think I want Calvin Johnson on my team. Really? Uh, yes. <laughs> is it is it because of the age and and he was banged I think up it's last that, year? Yes. Yes, I think it's because of the age, and also I just don't trust. I just don't trust the Detroit offense, you know. I just don't trust what they're doing there. I don't. I don't trust the program. I don't trust the. I don't like the way they use Calvin Johnson. They don't. It's just, and he has he has shown that he is every year he misses a few games that can cost you a playoff spot or even a championship. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind with Detroit this year too is they draft Amir Abdullah in the second round, perhaps. They put more of a focus on the running game this year, too, and it's, there's less targets for Calvin. There's less targets for Golden Tate. Maybe Eric Hebron uh, steps up this year, and he commands uh, the ball a little bit more than he did last year. So I think that um, Detroit, I don't want to say they're a team without an identity right now, but you're, you can't be really sure uh, how they're going to try to uh, win football games. If, if they're going to try to play tough defense and run the ball with Abdullah and Bell and, and Calvin and Golden Tate, are sort of you know supporting guys as Calvin gets up there in years. I, I mean, yes. How many receivers would you take over Calvin Johnson well, ex- this year? Four well, or five? No. I, I think no. Don't get me wrong. When I say I don't want to have Calvin Johnson on my team, I'm gonna avoid him. I mean, I'm gonna avoid him in the first round. That's what I mean. If he falls to me in the second round, I'm getting him. I don't mind him. Ha- I don't mind having him as my second receiver after I draft, let's say ODB. You know, I don't mind having ODB and Calvin Johnson together. But what I'm saying is, if you're in the first round. You should, you should, I mean, you should do all you can to avoid Calvin Johnson. I'll tell you what, I would not mind a start of uh, Beckham and Johnson uh, on my team yeah. as well. That is one great way to start off. Alan, listen, man, thanks so much for coming on the show and thanks. sitting in with us tonight. We, we really appreciate it. Congratulations on your 2014 success, and I know that uh, you're going to try to uh, do even better in 2015 and, and maybe take that $300,000. Thanks for coming on, man. Good luck this year. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate being on. Anytime, man. That was great stuff, ladies and gentlemen, tonight from 2014 FFPC main event, sixth place finisher, Alan Patitanian, a lawyer in Los Angeles. Dave, what a treat. A great interview, a lot of good insights. And what I appreciated uh, about him the most is he was very sure uh, of his uh, convictions, stood by him, supported him. And, uh, boy, it was hard to disagree with him because he made a good case for a lot of the stuff he said, didn't you think? Yeah, I thought it was great, actually. He uh, he did have really good opinions. And uh, the Calvin Johnson take was really interesting. Let's uh, let's move the emails here, Dave, uh, that we got in from the, uh, from the listeners this week. First one is from Matt in Tarabella, California. Hey, guys, please tell me if you're interested in this player at his current ADP of the late third round. He was the ninth best running back last year in the FFPC with 1,100 rushing yards and another 300 yards on 38 catches, notching nine touchdowns in the process. That 
output put him ahead of both Jeremy Hill and LaShawn McCoy. And this year, guys like Frank Gore, Carlos Hyde, and Mark Ingram are all being drafted in front of him. Do you still want this guy? Dave, are you interested in those stats on your team in the mid, excuse me, late third round? Yeah, you know, that sounds like something I'd be interested in. Now, if I told you that player was Lamar Miller, are you still interested in drafting him? I sure am, Balky. So late third round, you would take Miller, and, and I'm, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm on board with that as well. Do you think what, what do you think the impact is of Jay Ajayi uh, on Lamar Miller? Is it is it non-existent? Is he basically a handcuff at this point? He was only a fifth-round pick, but a lot of that was because of this supposed long-term knee injury he's going to have, which may not affect him his first couple of years in the league. How do you envision that Dolphins backfield shaking up between Miller and Ajayi? You know, I really, you know, I have no idea. I mean, it's all speculation. But I know that a lot of people are all about, you know, Jay Ajayi. And I just, you know, he's a fifth-round pick for a reason. It's not, I don't think it was just that knee injury. I know he was a lot more, he was hyped up. Um, I just, I, you know, as a rookie, it's just tough to come in and unseat unseat the starter. And Miller, you know, with those that yards per carry, and he, he showed a lot of flashes of talent with actually a pretty poorly playing offensive line. So I, I don't. I just don't think he's going to have a shot to do that. I could be. I could be proven wrong. I'm sure some people disagree with me. But I, I like Lamar Miller, and um, a giant. You know, I'm not that interested in him at all, actually. Yeah, I'm not uh, either for redraft purposes. One thing I will say, even though I'm agreeing with you here, one thing I will say about Miami this year is that No. Sean Marino was the starter at the uh, start of the 2014 season last year, and it was because of injury that Lamar Miller sort of became the uh, getting the lion's share of carries uh, in that backfield. So, And then Miami drafts Ajayi this year. So are they really in love with Lamar Miller? Eh, probably not, but I'm not sure that they have to be in order for him to give you a lot of good fantasy production as your number two or even your number one running back if you go receiver-receiver in the first two rounds. Uh, that really, well, yeah, let me, uh, let me pipe in seen. about that. Let me pipe in about that. So if they really weren't feeling good about Lamar Miller, you know, Jay Ajayi, where was he projected to go in the draft? Uh, I mean, a lot of people said he'd be a second-round pick. Second-round pick. So, I mean, there's some word out, you know, word on the street that maybe he's, you know, not doing that well. So, there were rumors he was going to drop into the third round. Well, Miami waits until the fifth round to draft him. They could have taken him in the third round. They could have taken him in the fourth round. If you didn't like Lamar Miller, if you weren't comfortable with him as your starter, you would have obviously taken this tremendous talent that's falling in the draft in the third round. You'd have taken him in the fourth round. Maybe you would have traded up from the fifth and, you know, given up your fifth and sixth round picks to take him in the fourth round. But did they? No. They took him in the fifth. They didn't trade up to get him in the fifth. He was just there. Yeah, they definitely did not. Uh, and they didn't trade up for him either. They, I mean, they didn't, didn't, did not invest a lot of assets into acquiring Ajayi, which, I mean, it, it's worth bringing up. But, again, it's not scaring me off Lamar Miller uh, in the late third round. Uh, Dave Marcus in Allen, Kentucky writes in, According to 49ers.com, San Francisco is going with a running back by committee this year, which has to be whatever the opposite of music is to Bulky's ears. Can you guys give me any good reason for drafting Hyde, Bush, Kendall Hunter, or Mike Davis this year in any format? Hopefully I'll see you at the KFFSC. Uh, very cool that he's going to be there. That's Marcus and Allen, Kentucky. Dave, I'm telling you, man, I could not be more off the – the Niners running game right now. I mean, I'm on Bolden because I think that San Francisco is going to be throwing because they're going to be down a lot this year. So I'm a, I'm a fan of Bolden. Uh, as I know you are, I'm a fan of Vernon Davis as a backup tight end. And 
frankly, you don't have to pay for uh, him to be anything more than that right now in drafts. But my God, this Niners running game, it's just getting worse and worse. I mean, it's a bad situation on a bad offense with a bad offensive line. And now they're talking about Reggie Bush and Kendall Hunter stealing carries away from Carlos Hyde. I cannot think of a good reason that you would want to draft Carlos Hyde in the third round this year. Well, Valky, I would love to talk or have a comment on what you were just, uh, that whole diatribe, but I just can't do it. <laughs> Why well, can't, oh, is that one of the banned offenses? I'm sorry. I, brought I, up I, I cannot, offense. I cannot comment on anything you just, uh, you just spoke on. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. That was another error on my part. Another uh, Eric error, uh, both here. Okay. Let's move on and talk. I got to make sure that this next, uh, email. Okay, this is a this is a non-band offense we can talk about. Dennis in Acton, Indiana writes, uh, this is another sort of blind resume type thing. Uh, he hasn't... Okay, I, I'm going to reword this email a little bit when I read it to you to get, get better impact. Uh, Dave, he hasn't... This is a tight end. He hasn't missed a start in nine years. He's been a top 10 tight end for eight straight years. This year, he is the 11th tight end going off the board in an offense that should be passing more than they did last year. What is he missing about Jason Witten? Oh, Jason Witten. You know, last year, Witten was still playing pretty well. The problem, I guess, was that Dallas committed to that new offensive strategy of running, 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 and they were so damn successful at it that they just kept on doing it, doing it, doing it. And there was just no really reason to throw to throw it that often, you know. And Witten's uh, stats suffered. So the question really is, you know, are they going to do the same thing this year, or are they going to actually go back to doing more passing, like he kind of mentioned? And I, but I mean, I don't think. My opinion is that I don't think they're going to go back to the, like the, the crazy passing ways that they were that they had in the past. I don't think their defense is as bad as it used to be. Their defense was so dreadful for you know for like three or four years, so they had no choice. And they always seemed like they were down like twenty-one nothing to start games. So um, I don't mind Witten actually, you know, you know, because it seems like he's going to be pretty cheap in drafts. But I really, I don't think I'd feel comfortable with him as my starter. I, he'd be a good, a good guy as like my second guy if I was taking someone. Like if you took Kelsey and you could then take Witten, I'd feel pretty comfortable with that. Because I mean, if Kelsey somehow Buster gets hurt, uh, Witten's a good backup. Well, too, in an FFPC format, you could have Kelsey and Witten. I bet there's a good portion of the season where you're actually starting both those guys and feeling pretty okay about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he's a great bi-week fill-in type guy, and if all of a sudden he's playing really, really well, um, you know, you can feel comfortable starting him. I want to uh, I want to save my comments uh, on that because this next email sort of ties into the same thing. It's a different player, and I may get a different answer from you, but uh, I, I, this is our good friend Javier in Terre Haute, Indiana, writing in. He writes, Dear Icon and Cue Ball, clearly I am – the Brashad Perriman uh, side of that, and you are the Steve Smith icon. Obviously, you're the Dizzle. I know you guys were down on Terrence Williams last year, but considering Dallas should be slinging it more without Murray, and you can get Williams in the 10th round, can you get on board with him in 2015? Thanks, gentlemen. That's Javier in Terre Haute, Indiana. Dave, you were not a fan of Terrence Williams last year. Mostly, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was because he was the number two receiver in a Scott Linehan offense that usually doesn't target the number two receiver a whole lot. What about Terrence Williams in 2015? Have you changed your tune or do you still feel the same way? You know, part of the problem with Terrence Williams is I just, I never thought he was all that big of a talent. Um, He went to college at Baylor. So he was in a high volume passing attack type offense. He was an overaged player entering the NFL. 
he had you know 44 catches for 730 some yards as a rookie. Um, and then last year he dropped actually to 37 catches for 621 yards. He was frankly outplayed by uh, Leroy's favorite guy, you know, the white boy slot receiver. And uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I just I don't think he's that good. I mean, I think he kind of sucks. And I think Cole Beasley is probably the guy that I'd rather have on my team, frankly. Yeah, you're finding a better way to utilize a 10th round pick than Terrence Williams, correct? Yep. What about um, the larger issue of Dallas not having DeMarco Murray this year and having uh, what's probably going to be a running back by committee led by Joseph Randall, Darren McFadden, Lance Dunbar getting carries there as well. Do you think that Des Bryant and Jason Witten are being a little – I mean, I, it's hard to say Des is being undervalued for him going in the, the mid to late first round. But are these guys going to be putting up better seasons because Romo is going to be throwing it more? Uh, than he did last year? Or do you think this offensive line is just so good that Dallas is just going to run it, you know, close to as much as they did last year? It's just going to be among three guys as opposed to one. I think Dallas wants to keep running it. I mean, they they had success. I think that Jerry Jones actually, you know, he could drink his scotches more comfortably in the owner's box and just shoot the crap with all the guys that he had up there more easily than he used to instead of being all stressed out. I think he prefers games to be played that way, and he runs the organization I think they're going to keep trying to run it. They don't really care about Dez's stats or about Jason Witten's stats like we do. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's, they want to run it and win football games, and that's just what they're going to do. That is what they're going to do, and what you're going to do right now is bounce out a little bit early and make sure we get this uh, football guys draft uh, going on time. Thanks. Thank, I want to thank you, Dave. I got, I got some other people. Oh, thank you. I want to thank you <laughs> for another great show tonight, uh, and I'll let you get going uh, to start that draft. All right. Thanks, Paul. We'll see you. You bet. Dave Gerzak, ladies and gentlemen, he's the Dizzle. And a few things, I'm not closing out the show yet because there's a few things I want to bring up uh, before we end up uh, signing off for the night. First of all, High Stakes Fantasy Football, our darling Jacob Rickroad uh, has his own podcast now. If you remember correctly, uh, we had him on, what was it, two years ago? And then he started writing for Rotoviz. He's been on Evan Silva and Ross Tucker's podcast among, he was on the the Fantasy uh, Goodfellas, I believe it's called, Fantasy Goodfellas Podcast. He's been better on making his rounds on the Fantasy Podcast. He has his own one now. I listened to the first two episodes. It's him and Roto World's Graham Barfield hosting it. It's called Fantasy Game Theory. You can get it on iTunes, uh, and you can check out him on Twitter, at Clutch Fantasy, uh, posting the links there. Good stuff, people. Uh, we're big Jacob Rick Road fans, and we think you should be too, so check that podcast out. I want to thank... Uh, Alan Patitanian, a lot of great stuff from him tonight uh, regarding uh, how to uh, be successful in the main events, how to uh, you know take the right types of chances in order to have a fighting chance in the championship round. So I want to thank him uh, for coming on the show tonight, too. I want to thank Hyundai, Gatorade, FedEx, the FFPC, our producer, mutual friend Rob, audio engineer Bryce, most of all, all our listeners. Now, normally I would say, hey, your weekend starts now, and we'll see you next week. I'm not going to say that. Why? Because we're doing special episodes this Sunday, this Monday, this Tuesday. It's the annual Pros versus Joes Challenge. So we will be on the air. Our next time will be on Sunday at 8 o'clock Eastern time. It will be a special two-hour show. Uh, we will be on broadcasting the first two hours of the Pros versus Joe League number one boating while intoxicated division. Uh, just a rundown of the pros uh, on that. Tim McCulloch, 
from rotoexperts.com, the defending champ, only drafted one tight end last year, Antonio Gates, and rode it all the way to the pros versus Joe's title. So he is going to be in that draft. Ted Schuster, our good friend from Fantasy Alarm, is going to be in that draft. Evan Silva, Roto World's Evan Silva will be there. Jake Seeley from the Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, friend of the show, Jared Smola from Draft Sharks, uh, will be in that draft as well. And Jeff Haberlack from uh Pros for Sunday's draft. Uh, Joe's James Harper, Blaine Para. Friend of the show, Mike Guzilak will be in that. Friend of the show, Joe Stutzman will be in that. And then Dan, uh, excuse me, Daniel Kent and Vince Danko making up the Joes for that. That is 8 o'clock this Sunday, the Boating Wall Intoxicated Pros versus Joes League number one. We're broadcasting it here, and we'll have it on YouTube.com slash High Stakes Fantasy Football if you want to check out the draft there as well. Uh, remember, draft and online satellites that we have going on and the football gra- uh, football guys drafts uh, that we have going on uh, every day, filling multiple ones every day. Check those out at myffpc.com. Get the balances squared away. so You can get uh, your early draft spot a week from Monday. And, of course, happy birthday to my father, 64 years young today. Uh, so uh, thank you uh, so much for listening, everybody. Uh, your weekend officially and thankfully starts now. Talk to you this Sunday. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Said that I'm the best in the world.